0: I want to go ahead and let Charlotte get started. And to introduce her, I want to tell you, first of all, that she is a big Alabama fan who is also a wife and mother of three lovely grown daughters. Um, She was formerly an elementary school teacher, and then the Lord led her to begin to write and teach women's Bible studies. And Um, She ultimately formed a ministry, eventually formed a ministry called Abide in Him, and she's going to be telling you more about that, so I won't be sharing a lot about that in in the introduction, but I do want to just say that um, Charlotte is someone who inspires and encourages me to follow hard after Christ, and I really appreciate that because she helps push me out of my comfort zone in following and trusting and obeying the Lord And so I'm so thrilled. Some of you met her in November when she spoke on gratitude, but um, if you haven't heard her before, you're in for a treat because she's going to be sharing with us lessons on abiding in Christ. Charlotte Travis. Thank you. Thank y'all so much for
1: being here. Um, I get so excited when I hear what's being offered to the 20s and 30s because in my 50s, I'm like, shoot, I'm, I'm too old. It all sounds so good. But um, I am just thank you so much again for coming. And I'm going to be speaking to you on lessons learned in abiding in Christ. And the whole title didn't get up there, but it's lessons learned in abiding in Christ. And um, we're going to kind of break it up into five parts. First, we're going to look at what does that even mean? What does it mean to abide in Christ? What are we talking about? And then I have four more points I want to share, but I'm going to share those through testimony, uh, pretty much through things that have happened uh, as the Lord has given me uh the opportunity to do the ministry that I get to do. Um, but first, I wanted to show you this, use this bag. I found this hanging downstairs the other day, and I'm we're going to use this to kind of launch us off and weave through our time, and then it's going to be part of our grand finale. But um, this is a bag that a friend gave to me years ago. She said, I, this must have been, it says, oh, the places you'll go, and I, it must have been the hottest Dr. Seuss book going at the time. And she walked through a bookstore and she saw this display and she said, I saw that bag and I felt like I was supposed to buy it for you and give it to you just for you to remember all the plans that God has planned for your ministry. Isn't that sweet? And so I have kept it and it was downstairs where I have my little office. And um, I thought, you know, for our time together, oh, the places you'll go if you'll abide in Christ. Oh, the places you'll go if you'll abide in Christ. And um, another reason it really caught my eye was because I have been traveling like a wild woman this year already, and I mean, I'm a homebody. For some of you, that sounds like fun, and if you're a homebody like me, it's like, ah, oh no. But this is the reason I've been doing a lot of traveling. This is my family, and that is uh, my husband, Bill, up there behind me, and we have three girls, Um, Ashley's our youngest, and she lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and Bethany's the the middle one, and she's in Dallas, Texas. And then Tiffany is married to Ryan Radloff, and they live in London, England, which is why we had to travel pretty far to see them this year. That's us at the Louvre. But um, I, Bill and I met in college, and then all three girls graduated from the same university. And my plan and my notes, I was going to say since I'm an SEC territory. I'm not going to tell you which college. So I love that Susan went ahead and brought it up. Um, but we, I, I guess because we all went to the same college or maybe just because we're wired this way, we put the fanatic in fan. And so when there's a game on or a game happening, we are there. And so the beginning of the year, our team ended up in Phoenix for a championship and four of us got to go. So that was my first little jaunt, uh, getting to do that. And then in April, someone gave me a trip to Israel. And I got to go and take a friend, and it was such a blessing. And then I had just a few days before I had to hop on the plane to go to London to see Tiffany and Ryan, and that was a, a wonderful time together. And then I had a few days after I landed before the Abide in Him retreat in the mountains. So for a homebody that rarely travels, I have been like bouncing all over the place. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. Um, before we really dive in, I wanted to um, talk about, you know, what it really is to abide in Christ. And so to set the stage, the best way to do that is to hear from Jesus himself. So we're going to, it's from the, the book of John and it's chapter 15 is where we get this teaching from Jesus. And he has just finished a Passover supper with his disciples, and it's often called the Last Supper because it would be the last supper he would have with them. He is on his way to the cross as he's teaching this. And we're not positive he was on his way to Gethsemane, and they said, rise, let us go from here, from the table. So he may have been walking through the garden as he taught because rabbis of his day did that. They might have already been sitting in the garden as he taught it, but either way, we got a lot of garden visual going on. And so he's using a vineyard to tell them something they have got to know because he knows he's headed to the cross. I mean, he's just headed to the cross. He's almost there, and he knows their lives are never going to be the same. Now, the disciples don't fully understand, but he knows what they're going to need, and he knows what we need. So he had it recorded for us. So this teaching is huge, just huge. So we'll just go ahead and read it. It starts with, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He tells us how we can be clean. Uh, because sin has stained us. And so he lets us know that it's through his gospel through the blood of Christ that we can be cleansed. So um, the next verse says, abide in me and I in you. And I want to stop right there because Jesus in other passages, he will describe our relationship with him as he's the bridegroom and we're the bride. He's inviting us into oneness and this abide in me and I in you, that's a call to oneness. It's almost like, will you marry me? I mean, that's how serious this commitment is. This is what we're talking about here, what we're being invited into. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, obviously, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit For apart from me, you can do nothing. And he's not being mean. He's not being rude. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He is being so kind because he's letting you know this is the truth. Apart from me, you really, you can do nothing for the Father. So abide in me. Abide in my love. So um, what a delight and joy that we get to um, be invited into something like this. So what is abiding in Christ? First, we're going to look at what it is not it is not one more thing to do. And I put this picture of this golfer throwing his golf clubs because uh, I remember I've never had the time to get into golf. Some of you may be golfers, but I I think it would be a wonderful sport. I would love to one day. But my husband one day was trying to teach me how to swing a club. And it's like, you know, your grip here and your grip here and your thumb there and your knees bent and your head down. I thought by the time you remember the 5,000 things you have to do, I just felt so awkward even swinging the club. And I, I thought, no wonder really great golfers have really bad days sometimes. They forget one little thing or put their thumb in the wrong place, and and the next thing you know, they're throwing their bags in the water. But um, that is not what abiding in Christ is, because sometimes we think, okay, um, abide in Christ, read my Bible, pray, like we're trying to make it into a religion. You know why? Checklists are a whole lot easier than relationships are, aren't they? And so I find myself doing it. Pray, quiet time, check, check, check. And the Lord reminds me, you know, you can keep checking away, but I've called you to relationship. And until we're doing that, you know, none of this even matters. So it's not one more thing to do. In fact, it's actually what he's saying is stop. You just see striving and let me do everything. Let me do everything. So it's, it's a wonderful uh, call. Um, the best definition I think that I found was in, uh, if you're interested in digging deeper, have some of you seen this, Abiding in Christ by Andrew Murray. It's, oh, it's so good. And it just, I just love this book. And he makes the case that when Jesus, Jesus had already told the disciples, come to me, All you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And think of that exchange, because we get to take him our burden and our sin. He gives us rest and cleansing. Like, the exchange is unbelievable. There's nothing like being in Christ. So Andrew Murray is saying, Jesus had already said, come to me. So now before he goes to the cross, he's saying, and remain. Abide means to remain, stay in, live all around. Like, abide means to stay in it. So he's saying, you've come to me, stay here until we're in our father, my father's kingdom together. I mean, this is huge. So um, this is more the picture of what abiding in Christ looks like, this sweet little sheep being held. Abiding in Christ, rather than one more thing to do, it is just remaining in your good shepherd's care. And I praise him for that. It's an invitation into divine purpose. And I had a sweet little um, analogy pop up. Uh, after we got back from a recent trip, I ended up with a flat tire in my own garage. So, long story short, AAA will come to your house to change your own tire in your own garage, and I'm so thankful. So, I called AAA, and the first thing they want to know, are you safe? Well, I'm standing in my kitchen air conditioning and, you know, all the food I want. I could turn on the TV if I want. I'm like, yes, I'm safe, and uh, I'm actually at home. And she said, okay, great. Well, this person will be calling you. They'll be coming. And so, uh, this man calls to let me know he's on his way, and he goes Are you safe? And I said... I'm at my house. Yes. And now I'm feeling kind of guilty, you know, that I'm not on the side of the road in great danger or something. I'm like, no, I'm in my house. I'm good. And he pulls into my driveway. I step out of my air conditioned house with all the water I need. And he hands me a cold water bottle. And I said, you are so kind to give me a cold water bottle at my own house. He said, it's what AAA does. And I thought, this is so sweet. Cause you know, sometimes we are stranded on the side of the road and we are praying we don't get hit by a truck and, and it's not, and we need food and maybe we're cold or hot. Sometimes, It's not a good scene. So I thought, how precious that uh, we can use that as an analogy. That happening at my own house was a whole lot better than that happening on the side of the road. And if we think about being at our own house as abiding in Christ, then when those crises hit, those hard things hit, we are going to be safe. We're going to be spiritually safe. I'm not saying it's going to be fun. It wasn't fun for me to have a flat tire in my garage, but but it's going to be safe and it's going to be good because sometimes all the places you'll go are not fun places. They're hard places. And um, I got back from the retreat in May and a few days after that, just a few days after the retreat of basking in the love of God, I I was at home. I was safe. I was in Christ. I'd really been chewing over the scriptures. And we got one of those life-changing phone calls that Bill's brother had killed himself. And I mean, it just—it's devastating, and it's hard. But but I'll tell you, if you are in Christ, then you get to see His hand. You know, uh, precious Amber's not with us. But one thing I thought of with Amber—Amber Amber has, in the loss of her dad, she has gone to one of the hardest places you can go, and she is calling back from there to us and saying, "God is good here too." I mean, doesn't that isn't that precious? So we're safe when we're in Christ, and I, and I thank Him for that because, um, you know, also. When, when Jesus used the analogy, branches on a vine, uh, they don't have free will. You know, I mean, something could snap them off, but they can't snap themselves off. But, you know, we have free will. So the vine may want to be doing something through us, and we can kick and scream about it. You know, we can, we can wander, we can do—and and let me tell you this. As we're talking about abiding in Christ, we're not talking about going and coming from our salvation. Christ did the work of our salvation. We are secure in Him— but so what if Satan can't snatch us out of our hands, what would he like to do? He would like to keep us from bearing the amount of fruit the Father wants to, us to bear because the fruit glorifies God, and Satan hates that. So we want to be sure that we're abiding in Christ and just receiving everything he has for us, dead to our own agenda, dead to the life and dreams we had to pick up his, which are so, so much better. So the first point we're going to have is... Um, that abiding in Christ sets us free to love God most. And loving God most is the safest place we can ever be. Um, and I am so sorry that that food came up behind it. I don't know why it did. That is actually on a computer thing I have, but in on my computer it was not showing food behind it. So I'm glad you've already eaten or I'd be so worried now everyone's hungry. They're not going to be able to hear anything I say. But um, Jesus said in Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, you shall love the Lord you." Your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And he's telling us how to say, stay, stay safe. I'm inviting you to everything. Just love him most. And so many, many years ago, um, I was just I- enjoying time with the Lord. And, and when I say this, let me, let me say this. I feel like any time the Lord speaks to me, and, and some of you may know what I'm talking about, I have never heard an audible voice. But when I'm reading scripture, he is speaking to me and he's speaking to us. There are those times where sometimes I feel like I, I'll, it's almost like a thought pops in your mind that you just didn't, you, it did not originate with you. Now, be sure it lines up with scripture, because the last thing we want to be doing is listening to the voices in our own head, for goodness sake. I've got mine just flying all over the place. But sometimes a, a thought will go through your mind, and it just seems to be the Lord, and it lines up with scripture. And usually it happens to me, I'm not even kidding, like when I'm cleaning a bathroom or doing laundry or going to the Usually as I'm going about my own business, like the disciples did, is when I sense these things. But um, I was sitting in a quiet time this time, and I... What went through my mind was the name of your ministry is abide in him. That's what went through my mind. And I knew that didn't come from me. And it's so sweet because I feel like when the Lord speaks to us through a scripture or a word or a phrase or whatever, sometimes it'll plop in with like just paragraphs of understanding. And I knew what he was saying. He was saying, as long as you will abide in me, I will be bearing fruit through you whether you ever see it or not. And the minute you are not abiding in me, whatever you're bearing, the fruit you're bearing, it's not going to be good for anybody. So it was a precious word and a precious warning. And I, for the life of me, didn't think it meant I would ever have like an official legal ministry. I just thought, you know what, that's the name of all of our ministries (laughs) abide in him. That's how our minister, we're all ministers. That's how it's going to pop out is by abiding in him. So that was very dear. And then the Lord did begin to open up some doors. I was getting to write lessons and do some of the things I love to do and teach in his word. And I sensed him one day, tell me to shut it down, just shut it. And I was so happy. I was so enjoying it. And when I say that, that's because we tend to forget all the frustration and discouragement. You know, a lot of times we forget the negative. There was plenty of that too. But, um, I was so sad because I was so loving this purpose he had given me. And I remember walking up from the basement, and I felt like he used two scriptures to help me understand. And one, if you read the book of Jonah, you can get in there and see more what what this has to do with. But at one point, a plant comes up quickly, shades Jonah— God allows worms to eat it and it dies. And Jonah, of course, is upset. And God is actually teaching Jonah about compassion. There's a whole lot more to the story. But I felt like the Lord used that as a picture to me. The plant was God's to do with it what he will, the ministry abide in him it was his. It's always been his for him to do with as he wills. And if he says, lay it down, I lay it down. It's not mine. It's his. And the other scripture was when Abraham was told to go sacrifice Isaac. Now he knew Isaac was the child of promise. The very thing, Abraham's very purpose of existence was going to happen through this, that that Jesus, the Messiah would come through this line and he's being told to lay it down. So he obediently goes to lay it down. Of course, we know God Uses it to teach us that He will—it's the Son of God—is who will be uh, put on the cross to die for us. But I—it wasn't one of those a oh, wink, wink, I'll lay it down and you'll raise it back up." You know how we do sometimes. I know what you're saying here. No, I knew what He was saying and I knew what He was teaching me. He had from the beginning abide in to abide in Him. That if I will love Him most. We'll be safe and he'll be able to do what he wants to do because only he will receive the glory. And I realized I was beginning to really love the work and really love the purpose. And he was letting me know that will lead you astray. And he, I told him when I, when I understood what he was saying to me, I remember walking up from downstairs and I said, Lord, and I'm sure I had tears in my eyes. And I said, Lord, there is none like you. I have loved this, but I love you more. I don't want anything but you. And I, I am so thankful he did that. Do you see how quickly I could have wandered and begun to love this more than him? And then it becomes an idol. I mean, that's sickening to think about, but it sure can happen. So, so what I did, I walked over to my kitchen window, real poignant time, and I looked out and it was a cold March day in Georgia. And this, I know it snowed before in Georgia, but it's not common. So I look outside, cloudy. And snow is falling, like little flurries are falling from the sky. And I hear, I, I just sensed him say to me, ask whatever you will. And we later in John 15, he will say, if, I, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. And what he's saying is, when I give you a command, when I give you an assignment, when I tell you something you need to do, all you have to do is ask. Anything you need to accomplish that, ask. It's yours. You can know. It's going to be yours. So I just stood there and I said, Lord... Whatever I need to do what you've called me to do, would you supply it? And I knew he would, and I just knew he would, and I felt like he was telling me uh, to dot the eyes and abide in him uh, with snowflakes, and so the snowflakes remind me of that, and so the logo, this is our logo, and so you see there's a lot of symbolism in the logo that's a lot of warning, a lot of warning to keep it on track, and um, it also a verse he had given me because as a Bible teacher, let me tell you, before he let me do too much public teaching, um, he kinda he let me know if you're saying I said it, I better have said it. And so if we have got to teach his word as he wrote it. We have just got to be given the message, his message, not our little twist, not our little denominational thought on it. I mean his word as he wrote it. So the verse he's used for me, the warning in that and the it's just precious, Proverbs twenty five thirteen, and this we're all messengers of the gospel as believers. It says, like the cold of snow in time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his masters. And I thought, Lord, if we will teach your word as you wrote it, if we'll keep you in the spotlight and give you all the glory we actually, re- that's refreshing to him. And so I praise him for that. So the snowflakes represent a lot there, and certainly Proverbs 25, 13. And then the next one um, regarding the ministry, and this point will be abiding in Christ, we learn to desire his story more than our own. And one thing the Lord, even as uh, down the road from here, he would have me um I felt led to do, do it as a 501c3, and I'm not an ambitious person, so this was just something I felt like he really wanted me to do, make it legal and official, and I sure did, but I felt like he was saying, and do not try to picture what the ministry's going to look like. So I do remember as I was doing the paperwork for the IRS, I said, Lord, I, I, help me not to even picture what it's going to look like, but I cannot tell the IRS that. Like, sorry, can't picture what it's going to look like. So, no, that's not going to fly. I said, would you help me with the questions and filling out the... And he did, and he showed me... He had already given me the mission statement long ago. I'd pray over the studies I'd write, and I would just say, Lord, would you use them to strengthen the body of Christ? Because what I was seeing out there were sheep... That were not pastoring in the Word of God. They were going to church and they were doing fun Christian things, but very few Christians really understand the Word. Like Genesis to Revelation is the most glorious plan. It's the blueprint of what we're supposed to be doing in this spiritual war that we're fighting. I mean, it's huge, and yet we've kind of wandered away from knowing the Scriptures. And so that was a huge part of it. Well, I did have some frustration and discouragement, and I learned from a Charles Spurgeon uh, devotion God is so timely to keep us on track. I had this desire that we somehow have a, an arm of prison ministry. I, from a, At the time I was a little girl, when I would babysit, my parents would let me give my, you know, back then you got like 50 cents an hour. Yes, that's how old I am. And so, you know, you'd, wow, you'd, you know, go for a, an hour and, and sometimes, boy, they'd give you a whole dollar. You're like, woohoo yay. So I could give that dime. You know, my parents were teaching me the joy of tithing. I could give my little dime too. And I love to give it to. There was a prison, an international prison ministry because even as a kid, I thought, you know, if, um, If inmates become believers... They're new creatures. And I, I, anyway, I'll get into that later. But, but it's the same out of prison as in prison. We want to be new creatures in Christ. So I really wanted these studies to be used in the prisons. And I'm telling you, for the life of me, I couldn't get them in there. And it sounds easy, like just to give something for free away. I could not get it in there. So Andrea Shelton, who, oh, the Charles Spurgeon devotion. He said, the thing that is, um, sometimes God will give you such a passion for something, so fired up about it, and you for the life of you can't understand why the doors won't open. Like, but Lord, you keep closing the door, but I'm burning up here like I'm so fired up. And he said, sometimes the Lord will do that so that when the door does open, you will fly right in. You will not be tempted to hesitate. You will not You will not be slow to obey. You will go. And that is sure what has happened with the prison ministry part, because I, I told the Lord, anything that's this passion that is not of you, please take it away. But if it's of you, keep it fired up until you open that door. So um, Andrea Shelton, who goes to church here, and she has uh, the ministry Heartbound uh, Ministries, which is an incredible prison ministry where the Lord is working like you can't even believe. And it is just so exciting. So she helped me get in this class that was going to be at Mount Perrin right down the street. And it was to get my little prison badge so I could go in and um, go into the prisons and I thought I would do that. So I get to Mount Perrin. I had never been there. And of course it's massive and the parking deck is massive. So I pull in and it's roped off. So I go to the next opening of the parking lot and it's roped off. And I go roped off. I go, finally, I get to one that's not roped off and I pull in and I park and I walk right in the door where the class is. And I felt like the Lord was showing me for life in general and specifically for the prison ministry with Abide in Him, I believed he was telling me, I will close doors and close doors and close doors to get you exactly where you need to be. So I, have, I put it up there, closed doors bless just as much as open ones. And yet sometimes we don't like the closed doors. I'm telling you, I have learned, I'm not going to say I'm happy every time, but I have learned more and more to react to a closed door with joy. Oh, Lord, thank you, because you are getting me where I need to be, where we will go right in where we need to be. So I couldn't, still couldn't get them in. And I'd get with a chaplain. It would look like we had found an entrance. Nope, didn't happen. Well, a few years ago, a couple who knew about the studies knew someone in jail. They ordered the Ezra Nehemiah study and sent it to this person in jail. They shared it with someone else. He wrote me. He was being revived in teaching the word that the Lord had uh anointed him with before he went wayward, so now he's back with the lord he's teaching it in the prison he's asking for more studies. He's writing me and saying, "I felt led to give Esther to so and so do you have another I'm sending them to him well now the men are writing me, and they're saying we want the women to have these so they give me the address of a woman in um the the women's side, and I send it to her well. Her cellmate starts doing it. She starts writing me, tells me that this woman was doing it. I never heard from her, but she was. She was doing it. She starts handing them out. Now women are writing me from the women's side. I am telling you, I couldn't do it. Almost, yeah, everything God does through abiding in Him, He does it in a way that I can't even put my fingerprints on it. I can't even pretend to make up a story that I had anything to do with it. And so since then, someone in Georgia State Prison found out about him. Now they're writing me. One man, I tell you, he is my brother in Christ. This man loves truth, and he's an inmate there, and he is teaching and preaching, and he is just, he's really watching, because he said even among Christian teaching um, that's called Christian, secular humanism is coming in. And uh, so he he stands for truth. So they, 22 men, have the Timothy study that we wrote that is on guarding truth. 22 men in Georgia State Prison. I couldn't get them in there, and God's got them. So then I'll share this. This is not part of my plan, but we found this out this morning. Um, Just so many more little stories from that. But this morning, I got to kick off our Ephesians study here at the church. And the women of Gilgal, it's a recovery center here in Atlanta that I just love. And I'm going to be sharing something from it in just a minute. One of the women who came in from Gilgal, she's there recovering. Overcome an addiction. She walked up to me after, she said, You're the reason I'm at Gilgal. And I looked at her and I looked at her name tag and I said, Melinda, I got your letter and I still pray for you. She was one of the women that wrote me from Cobb County Jail. And she said, if I go straight to Recovery Center, um, you know, I could do that. So I got in touch with Val Cater, who has uh, women of Gilgal. She told me what to tell her. I wrote her a letter, told her. uh, We sent her a Colossians study. She said, I was almost finished with Colossians and I was gonna order Ephesians next. But in April, they sent her to Gilgal she didn't know I was teaching the class. There we are together. God knew when she wrote me that letter, oh, they're going to love this. <laughs> In a few months, they're going to be studying together at the table over Ephesians, these two little sisters of mine that love me. Is that just the greatest? I love him. So I, I had nothing to do with that. I mean, that's just what he does. So those cl- he's like, are you kidding me? I have a plan for prison ministry. Don't touch it. <laughs> don't touch it. And don't force anything. That's the other thing I'm learning. Don't force anything. Okay. Um, the next ones, these come more recently. This, these lessons came while I was writing the study. I love our our women's ministry. Y'all know I do. Um, when we, when we memorized Romans 8, I was so blessed to write a study on that. When I found out we were memorizing John 15, which was the foundation of the ministry, I was so fired up. And I, I just was so thankful to have the opportunity to write a study on it. So I have finished the study. It's still being edited, but I got the cover from Josh who does my cover illustrations. Usually he sent me this because I said, would you somehow, the name of the study is, you know, study of John 15, uh, abide in him. And I said, would you, somehow get the logo on there somehow just work the logo onto the cover so we've got the logo with the little snowflakes and all that on the cover and I'm, I'm excited so um, while I was writing it the Lord just really uh, worked in my heart and I actually, the trip to Israel, this is a picture from the trip to Israel and that is in the old city of David. And I had just finished writing the study. So I'm in Israel and all I can think about is vines and branches and fruit. And uh, so I took a picture of that vine. And what I want you to look at from that is when Jesus was talking about vines and branches, he wasn't talking about those spindly vines that take over your backyard in like two days. He was talking about these strong, almost like a tree. I mean, these vines, they are, mm, they are something else. So I am the true Vine and my father is the vine dresser are, are, are the points we're going to look at here. So your point for this one, the third one, abiding in Christ is the best seat in the house uh, because the vine is strong and He provides. If He will, if we will let Him do it, so that He receives all the glory, it's an adv- it is the, it is fun. It's an adventure, and I just oh I just have to tell you this was also not in my notes, but Casey Hawley, whom we just love, Casey. I am finally, I have had time to pick up her book and you can see my little bookmark. Um, I can't put it down. Thank you for putting these testimonies for the glory of God in writing. You can get it on on Amazon. It is is so faith building. So what hit me was Casey sent me, because I'm about to tell you a little testimony about the vine, how the vine does it all and how the Lord showed me, I've got this, the vine does it all. Casey doesn't know that. I get an email from Casey this week. She said, I can hardly pray for you for the Lord just telling me he's got this. I'm like, oh my goodness, she doesn't even know that is so the Lord. So then I was thinking about her book and, you know, Adventures in Christianity. Oh, the places you'll go. And so her book is very much, it is just abide in Christ and other places you'll go. Even the hard places. it's a lot of hard places in there. But oh, the places you'll go and he will be glorified and bear much fruit through us. So that just blessed me much. So what? Happened in February was I was on my way to Women of Gilgal and we had had the opportunity we were bringing an Abide and Him retreat there. I was so excited, so I'm on my way and I'm praying and um, of course nervous. I'm you know I get nervous of course before I'm about to do something and I'm praying and suddenly just in my mind's eye, not a vision. I just mean in my mind's eye, I get this picture of this gorgeous, just like up close zoomed in of a, of the vine this gorgeous vine. And, I look, and I'm thinking, true vine, oh Lord, there's none like you. And I just knew all the things I'd just been learning just plopped in my heart that if I would just show up, just obey, just show up, I will do it. I will provide everything you need. I will do it all. God will receive the glory for the fruit. Because if the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit's not doing it, I've got other things I can do. If the Holy Spirit is not involved in something, I really don't want to bother with it. Religion does not float my boat, but I'm telling you, there's nothing like walking with the Lord. So I get there and I'm kind of excited. You know, I really, the rest of the time, I I just worshiped Him, just worshiped the true vine, just kind of amazed by Him. Well, we get there and I do not have the right cord for the projector. And it wasn't just happy little pictures to kind of keep me on track. It was like fill in the blanks some worry. It was things we needed for the lesson. But instead of, normally, I would be like, oh, no, you know, discouragement, frustration, panic. I thought... You knew that. Like, on my way, you already knew I didn't have the cord. You knew we weren't going to be able to project the pictures. And it wasn't just to calm me down. I thought, you're about to show me something, aren't you? You're about to do something here. And so I kind of got excited that I'd forgotten the cord. Although, let me assure you, I found the cord for the next day. I did not want to do that again. So I get here, and and I want to share this with you because it plays into part of this. The, the little booklet on the right, little journal that we uh, made for the retreat, God's Greatest Gift, I usually ask an artist friend to do a work, a piece for the retreat, and it'll represent the theme. This year, obviously, God's love. We have got to know the love of Christ. Um, we have got to know the love of Christ uh, to have the fullness of God. And there's warning even when Jesus said uh, in the end times, Heart will, hearts will grow cold because of lawlessness. So as our nation is moving away from the laws of God, you're going to see hearts grown cold. It's, it's not going to be a happy, happy thing. He can bring revival and warm it back up just like that. And we pray that he will. But we need to be prepared and we need to, we need to know the love of Christ. I believe he's calling us to it, to know the love of Christ so that our hearts are warm and people are going to see that warmth and they're going to want to know him too. So um, all that to say, I was going to make God's greatest gift. I asked her to make the G's look like hearts, you know, like artists can do. I can do it in my mind and I can't do it with my hands. And and so we I was just going to use that as the cover. And I'm, get, I'm about to finish up making the cover to send in to get it printed. And I, I sensed the Lord say, go look at your notes. Well, Almost a year ago, he had been stirring the next year's retreat and already he's begun to stir some things for next year. I'm so excited. We'll see. But um, I went back and looked at my notes and he had given me the title loud and clear, My Beloved, Come Away With Me, My Love. And it came from um, Song of Solomon 2.10 was our focus verse for the retreat. My Beloved spoke and said to me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And... What happened was that evening, everyone was a trooper. Friday night, we got through without the slides. Some of the women came up and said they were really feeling fired up about Bible study. I was helping them pick out some studies. One in particular... really stood out to me, and the next morning, I get there on Saturday morning, and three of the women said, we were not excited about this retreat, and I get it, I'm not a retreat person, like when the Lord stirs a retreat in me, I'm not a retreat person, but I obey, and I go, and I'm glad I went, and so um, they said, we really were not that excited about it. But we, now this is Friday night without the right slides, everyone being a trooper. They said, we woke up this morning so excited to be here. I said, that is the spirit of the Lord. Thank you for sharing that. That's evidence of the vine. That's evidence that he's doing it. Well, one of the girls, as it turned out, she shared with us, her drug dealer had a drug and these are women addicted. The name of the drug was My Beloved. So we didn't have the screen, but she had her notebook. And she said, I cannot tell you how that caught my eye. And um, what we did with that, I said, oh, my goodness, this sure wasn't in my notes. But I believe the Lord is exhorting us through you. Jesus is not the only one that says, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Satan says to us, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. But he is calling us to death and destruction every time. And you know, like this, oh, the places you'll go. Oh, the places you'll go. Oh, the places you'll go if you abide in Christ. But oh, the places you'll go if you abide in something else. And I'll tell you, uh, the the word warns us. There is pleasure in sin for a season. Don't be fooled by that. You know, something feels so good. And I'm telling you, this sweet girl, she had written poems to her drug and she had written poems heroin you are my king heroin you are my everything and she said I realize if I will plug Jesus in for heroin they are glorious poems Jesus you are my king Jesus you are my everything so see Satan wants to plug something else in for Jesus for that true vine so um So we took that exhortation to be careful of what we're being called away to and be sure that we're being called by the Lord and not by our own flesh and the pleasure of sin. So um, she told me that afternoon, she said, you know, honestly, she's at a Christian recovery center and she, brilliant girl, she started college at 17 and she said, um, Thursday night, I thought these people that were saying, you know, oh, the word of God is so good and, I love Jesus so much. She said, and I'm going to use her words. She said, I thought they were full of crap because how could you know? How can we really know what's true, which religion is right, whatever? She said, I know. I know now that he is the one, that he is. So what do I do? I forget a cord and the Lord saves somebody. Like that's what he does. If we'll just obey and show up and do what we believe he's telling us to do, the vine will do it. He will provide. We get the best seat in the house. We get to watch it happen knowing we had nothing to do with it. And yet we get to watch and see and participate in the kingdom work. So um, that afternoon too, I tell you, she blessed my heart because the format of the retreat that I felt like the Lord had given me is that we, um, there are sessions we do and about three times we go off alone. It's forced alone time. And we go off alone with the same scriptures to hear from him and then come back together to talk about them. And she said, when she went away in her alone time with those scriptures, she's crying. She said, that's the first time I'd ever prayed to God by myself. And she said, he spoke to me through his word, so we would go around and discuss. And every time she shared, I like I wanted to hear what she had to say. Like she was so fired up about him, and I thought in that the truth, we need the young in Christ and the mature in Christ. We need to all be together because the young ones fire us up, and the mature ones remind us to stay, live with a quiet heart. And we just need each other. We just do. And I will tell you, I sure won't call her by name, but. Oh, the places you'll go. She has been tempted and she has fallen back into that addiction. So if you will pray for her, you don't need to know her name, but pray. I tell you what, this is what thrills my soul. She now has has done it as a child of God. And the Holy Spirit is well able to pull her out of this one. And I pray he convicts her quickly, gets her back on track. And I believe it's going to be part of her story. Uh, I believe it's going to be a big part of her testimony. So I continue to pray for her. And that's another thing. As we move ahead and we see the, the Lord work, we don't worry about the results. It's all him. He's got it. Okay, the, the last one is um, kind of a a quick one. The other thing that I learned as I was writing this story, the tree vine does it all, but then our final one is trust the work of the vine dresser who loves you. Trust the work of the vine dresser who loves you. I realized that I had kind of gotten, I I couldn't even put my finger on it, but it had been there way too long, and I had some people praying for me. It was almost like I couldn't connect to the love of God. It was like, are you pleased with me? I feel like you're not pleased with me, and yet... He was showing me through confirmation that that he was continuing to work because I told him I don't want this to mess with the ministry. Like I sure don't need to be teaching if that's going to affect the teaching. Lord, we got to get this nailed down. So I'd get with him, and and I knew he loved me, and and yet it just seemed like this plague of something. And this is what I know: once we cry out to him, he's already begun to work on it. So once I cry out and go, Lord, I cannot put my finger on this plague of. Like, I I don't know your countenance toward me. Because here's the thing. A a person could walk up and go, no, Charlotte, you're fabulous. He's he's pleased with you. You're good. And I'll tell you, people, I even had someone email and just say, I felt like the Lord told me to, to let you know he's pleased with you. That would come in and I would still be like, but something's not right. Something's not right. And so um, how good is he to keep us and watch us? I'm crying out to him. He's doing the work. He's going to show me. He's going to bring me to where I need to be. While I get in the study, I start studying what the vine dresser does and I think sometimes because it says you know, the vine dresser, he's pruning you know, so we'll bear more fruit. I think we get this picture that God is like wandering around with these giant trimmers like just looking for something to hack off. You know, that's that's what he's doing. And what's actually happening is when you study what a vine dresser does. In Jesus' time, and maybe still today, I don't know, they would often have this tower so the vine dresser could watch for predators. The vine dresser usually lived in the tower, right on the grounds. He would watch the branches closely, make sure they weren't getting pests. He's working the soil, he's watering, he's planting, he's planting, he's doing. I mean, he is so busy. And the Lord showed me, you have begun to picture the work you enjoyed doing, yes. The work I'm allowing you to do, yes. Like I do all my children, you're enjoying it. But you have begun to picture me as the God watching over to see if you're doing it right. Like, God, I'm working, are you pleased with me? Like, I'm working, here. are you pleased? And he said, I'm doing all the work. I'm doing all the work. All you have to do is gaze at me. You just gaze at me. You love me. I love you. I'm doing all the work. And it just, I cannot, I was set free. I didn't even realize I had wandered there in my attitude and my thinking. And so now I get so excited. I'm just enjoying his work. I'm just enjoying him. And so that was a huge, huge uh, set free kind of thing for me. And then uh, the last thing I just want us to look at. Look at this gorgeous picture. In John 15, 8, he would go on and say, by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Have you ever been afraid the Lord might just bear so much fruit that people think you're fabulous? It's not going to happen, trust me. It's not going to happen. Don't worry, don't worry. And does he want us bearing much fruit? Yes. Why? It glorifies God. I mean, this is all about him, all about him. So look at this picture. See that glorious fruit? That is one healthy vine, it, wouldn't you say? That is a healthy vine right there. I got to say the vine dresser is out of control. Whoever the vine dresser is on that vine knows what he's doing. He's skilled. He does his work. He doesn't miss a thing. He's out of control. Now, look at the branches. Can you even tell which branches bear and which fruit? You really can't. The branches are just there. And yes, that is how the fruit is born, but you can't, you can't tell which is which. And I love that. That's why he's calling for unity in the body of Christ, because it is just as important to me that Susan bears much fruit. Vicki bears much fruit. All of you bear much fruit as much as I want to bear much fruit because he's the only one that's going to be seen. And so that means that we don't have to live like the world where we're tearing others down to make sure we look good. No, we're done. Our lives are dead in Christ. I mean, we're dead in Christ and we have become new in him. Our lives are in Christ. So now we are all, I mean, it's important. Casey, what do you need to bear much fruit? You know, Linda, what do you need? Everybody, we are watching each other to make sure. Are you good? Are you good? Like we want to bear much fruit. So our father is glorified. So, um, Our uh, grand finale is this. Um, Oh, the places you'll go if you abide in Christ. Well, when Renee gave me, she's also on the board, when she gave me this um, many years ago, I looked at it, and I was blown away because it looked so much like the axe study that we already had out. And if you look at it, I'd ask Josh to do a, a kingdom look, you know, a kingdom up on a hill. Big. I want a green hill and a kingdom. Well, you see that on this. The little balloon is going up this green hill to the, to the castle. And um, then even, do you see the little blue balloon down here? like there's a little blue circle on that do you see the blue circle out there i was just i thought that is just kind of interesting to me and so um to close this out this uh, cover was inspired because the lord I, I felt like he wanted me to study the book of Acts to see what is true kingdom building what really glorifies our Father what really builds builds up the stones that are already saved and and allows him to bring in other stones he 's doing the saving and we want to build them up when they get there so what is true kingdom building so that 's what that one 's about well it 's from this many years ago I was sitting one of the girls was young and she was at the dentist' office and i 'm sitting in the dentist you know, the waiting room of the dentist office. And I felt like the Lord gave me this writing. And it is one of my favorite, favorite writings. I like to just pull it out and, and get fired up about what we have to look forward to. Because not only, oh, the places you'll go, hard or not, uh, this side of eternity with your Savior, but we are on our way to the glorious kingdom. I mean, I don't know. We've got a vapor of a life. If I live to be 100 or 120, it's still going to be a blink of an eye, and I'm going to be there with them. So whether it's today or way down the road, we are headed to eternity, to this eternal kingdom beyond our wildest dreams. So I am going to read this as we close out, and then I'll pray and we'll listen to a song. So feel free if you're comfortable closing your eyes. If you don't want to, don't. But I want you to picture this scene as we think about our eternal kingdom. Imagine in the distance a shining city on a hill. There is safety only within its walls. You desire that safety under the rule of the kindest, most powerful king who wants only good for his people. Imagine that you've received what you know is the greatest gift in existence – entrance into this kingdom more than even its safety and beauty you burn with love for the good king that rules here in fact all who dwell in the city share one thing an indescribable love and allegiance for a king who has made his kingdom beyond their wildest dreams he holds the heart and affection of every citizen because they freely gave it to him you catch your breath as you enter the gates the greenest grass you've ever seen against the bluest sky The trees on the mountains in the distance make a glorious display. You see a painter nearby with his easel set up. A horseman of great skill rides by enjoying the wind in his face. You know their obvious joy is that they perform their gifts and talents for the pleasure of the king they love so much. There was a time when a wicked enemy battled them and clouded their gifts in hopes that they would not glorify the good king with whom he chose to make war. He, in fact, wanted to be king and bring every citizen into cruel bondage under his rule. However, the king who helped them battle him has now fully destroyed him, and the people are free to be all they were created to be and bring pleasure to this glorious king. You join in with a joy you never imagined, as almost constantly the people can't help but cry out, blessing and honor and glory and power to him who sits on the throne. There is no way to describe the scene as the king who gave all so the people could share in his kingdom, walks among you. Every tear has been wiped away and the lamb leads you to living waters, living fountains of water. And you're so glad that you believed him when he told you before that his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Because as he told you during the battle, We like sheep had gone astray, we had turned everyone to his own way, but the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Revelation 21, 2 and 3. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much much for who you are. We do not have the human words to even describe it, but Lord, I want to thank you for your Holy Spirit who even prays through us with groanings too deep for words because we sure don't have them when it comes to praising you. Father, I just pray that you will just take everything that's been said and I pray that you'll just allow our ears to hear it exactly as you want it heard and those seeds planted will just grow mightily to great glorious fruit so that you will be honored. Oh, Father, be honored. Be honored in this world. Be honored in this nation. Be honored in our lives. And just, um, we praise you. We just love you so much. And Father, as we listen to this song, I pray that you will continue because of your great mercy and your love for us to just stir us by your Holy Spirit uh, to be drawn even near to you. And we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Marvelous, wonderful, infinite God, author of all that is good, faithful provider and giver of life, source of all power and love. vote for the souls of men Gracious compassionate merciful God Radiant holy delight Beautiful Father victorious Son Source of unchangeable light Great is the Unwavering God Shepherd who comes For the lost Rock of salvation Remarkable love Savior who died On the cross Great is the Lord And most worthy of praise Refuge of strength To the end Righteous Redeemer. vote for the souls. Oh, He's the anchor of hope for the souls. Oh, He's the anchor of hope for the souls of men.
1: Amen. Amen. Can I? mention about Ellie Holcomb or is that oh good y'all that Ellie Holcomb one of my favorites she's gonna be the speaker at the T's this year do you, I that is exciting I'm like oh my goodness so yeah that's exciting and uh, you know as as we finish up and as y'all head into your discussion one thing I just feel kind of pressed to to make sure is clear the Lord is working on me with um less self. Uh, uh, we live in a narcissistic society, and the Lord has shown me, you may not be as narcissistic as maybe that person. Maybe you are, but, but we still... Uh When you're in a narcissistic society, you don't even realize how into self you are. And so he has been really uh, pruning, and I've asked him to on these things. But a friend of mine said one time, she was reading Isaiah 58, and she said, um, it says break every bond. She said, Lord, would you just break every bond, break anything I'm in bondage to, even if it hurts. And that has rung in my ears since she said it. So I'm asking the Lord, Lord, even if it hurts, you know, if we're exercising, feel the burn, then it doesn't, it's not fun, 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 but we know something's happening there. So if he's actually going to be pruning us, yeah, it might hurt. I might say, ouch, not that thing. I do not want to lose that thing. But I, I'm trusting him. It's worth the ouch. Anything he's telling me to give up, to walk more closely with him, it's going to be so worth it. And it'll just strengthen us in the end. So, okay, y'all enjoy your discussion time. Thank you.